Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am coming to you mere moments after UCLA's fourth loss of the season. Uh, this went to Arizona, 20-17. to uh, The final moments decided on a missed field goal by J.J. Molson after he was iced by uh, Kevin Sumlin with the timeout. Um, the field goal to tie. Um, let's start there. Um, I, again, I don't know if it was due to this, um, but even if it wasn't due to it in physicality, um, kicking is such a mental game. I I don't have any idea why they changed out Matt Lynch at Holder for Molson this year. Uh, he's been noticeably worse kicking field goals, um, so that one uh, doesn't really track or make a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm sure there's some rationalization for it, of course, uh, as there usually is. Um, so that was a bad miss, but uh, obviously that didn't that it it shouldn't have come down to a field goal at the end. Um, there were a variety of issues in this game. Uh, first and primarily among them. Um, looking that bad against Arizona, a team that's without Khalil Tate and, uh, JJ Taylor, uh, you, you could make an argument that's the worst loss of the year. I mean, Oklahoma is an expected blowout. San Diego state and Cincinnati are probably each, eh, you know, right there with Arizona if they're all healthy. Um, but a Tateless and Taylorless. Arizona, uh, you would expect um, to be a little bit worse than San Diego State and Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, I think this was, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you can have your own qualitative assessments, but I thought this one was pretty bad. Because Grant Gunnell, he didn't really impress me all that much. Um, You know, I thought they kind of nailed him. um, Just throwing the ball didn't look natural, Uh, not a natural motion. Just kind of dumping the ball over the middle, but um, it was really just playing catch out there because UCLA's DBs are just nowhere to be found on most plays. Um, it's really kind of weird to watch because it's not as if they're playing great deep coverage. They're not. Um, a lot of times they're pulling up in what amounts to cover zero, except they're not actually bringing any pressure. It's the, the damnedest thing to watch, but it's they're just not covering anything. Um, it's actually kind of incredible for 11 guys to be on a football field and just not really be covering much. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I thought defensively it was um, uh, schematically awful in the secondary um, play and the scheme. Um and basically, the only thing that saved them was a combination of Noel Mazzoni um, just doing his Noel Mazzoni thing, and then Grant Gunnell just not being very good. Um, but a, a better quarterback would have carved him up pretty good. Um, I, I saw functionally no difference from what um, they displayed against Washington State, just the simple fact that they were going against a team that was down to its second-string quarterback who hadn't played a ton uh, kind of decided it. But yeah, I mean, if if they trotted that out against a really good offense again, that really good offense would, would tear this one up. Um, so that was bad. Um, I thought the, uh, I, I will say a positive defensively. I thought linebacker play was better. We saw a lot more of, um, it seemed like we saw a lot more of, I'd have to do a, a snap count, but 
Javari Anderson, especially early. Um, we saw a good amount of Chase Pitts. He had a couple of nice open field stops. Um, but it looked like generally better linebacker play. It looked like Chris Barnes was a little bit more um, involved, a little bit more active than he'd been. So I thought all of that was good. And Keyshawn Luster-South, I thought, really showed up. Um, pushed the pocket a lot. Um, got some pressure on Gunnell. Gunnell? Gunnell? I, I listened to it all night, but I can't replicate. Um, yeah, so I, I, there were some positives defensively. It's just you can't, I mean, if you're going to be that bad on, on long yardage on third down, um, and I, I don't know, I don't even think Arizona converted on third down, down that great. But it was, again, a lot due to the quarterback and the weird play calling. Um, but basically, whenever they threw to the sticks on third down, there were guys there and available and without a defender in sight. So uh, I thought it was a bad defensive game. And then offensively, um, you know, they were back to, I'd have to do a tempo count, but I think it was um, pretty slow early. They weren't doing a ton of the uh, uh, up-tempo stuff. You know, we did the whole math on it, and they were, I think, at 20, 21 seconds in the second half uh, last week against Washington State. And uh, I did some quick calculations throughout the game, and it was, you know, they were hovering between, you know, 23 and a half and like 26 most of the game. So um, I thought they, the tempo was slow again. They started doing all those big sets again, which I really don't think have been all that successful. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, went back to being kind of up and down. Um, he's certainly running the ball with more confidence, seems to be playing with more confidence, but he had one pick and then um, another near interception that could have been a pick six uh, on an early ball to Devin Asiasi. Um so that wasn't great. Um, and then obviously he got his, uh, leg caught under him. Certainly looked like a high ankle sprain or some sort of ankle sprain, um, on the telecast, but we'll have word on that, uh, maybe sometime this week. Uh, but actually I thought Austin Burton came in and played pretty well. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength or the gun that, uh, Thompson Robinson does, but you could see it out there. I mean, the decision-making, the accuracy, it's generally there. Um, he had one ball just bounce off the hands of Jalen Irwin, but, to get them into field goal range, he had to make a few throws. And frankly, I thought he looked good doing it. Um, I, I think it again speaks to, uh, what to our eyes looked like a fairly close competition in the spring. Um, the, I, I, it, it didn't seem like the offense dropped off a ton when he came in. I'll say that. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought it was a good game for Joshua Kelly. Uh, I thought he ran the ball really well. Um, obviously, and the, the, TV guys brought this up a bunch. Somewhat inexplicable for Demetric Felton not to play a bunch after um, being such a key part of uh, the huge comeback the previous week and looking like a truly dynamic playmaker. Um, I don't know if it was a weird discipline thing or if it was just a weird Chip Kelly thing, but the fact that he sat for the entire first two series and then came in, I don't know. Maybe there was something weird there. Um, or maybe it was simply, you know, I don't know how much he played right before Washington State. Maybe it's just Chip Kelly trusting his damn process more and just, you know, Demetri Felton gets X number of snaps and, you know, if it's a certain situation like Washington State, he might get more in the second half, but I don't know. The whole thing seemed weird. I'd love to see two back sets with those two guys instead of four tight ends out there. That'd be fun to see. Um, they scored on four tight ends, though. They uh, they scored their touchdown, their first touchdown um, with a throw to Matt Lynch in the back of the end zone, so there was that. Um, 
but yeah, I thought uh, kind of inexplicable that Felton wasn't in there more. Um, they were clearly deciding to, you know, use Kelly a lot more in this one. And, you know, that paid off to an extent, um, but they couldn't get much going in the past game. Uh, partially due to Thompson Robinson being off a little bit. And then there were a ton of drops as well. I mean, Jalen Irwin had a drop. Ossie Ossie had a couple, I think. Um, he also had a face mask, an offensive face mask, which you don't see too often on a block. Um, so yeah, I mean, there were, there were some issues besides Thompson Robinson, but I thought he, he kind of went back to how he's looked. Um, so that all wasn't great. Um, I thought, so the fourth down decision-making, um, might, if you played it out, the, the, might've been somewhat decisive actually. Um, but I thought each decision to each decision to go for it, I thought was a completely defensible one. Uh, one I personally would defend, even the fourth and whatever it was, eleven at the end of the first half. Um, in that situation, I mean, you're basically going to give them the ball back with I think it was like eight seconds left um, if you don't get it, and if you do get it, you're in more or less field goal range with a chance to score. Um, so I, I didn't hate that. Um, you're Odds are you're not giving up points, and you've got a chance to uh, to get some of your own in that position on the field. Um, and that was one of the more aggressive ones I've seen, and I thought it was a good sign, and I liked that they were aggressive on their own side of the field on 4th and 1. Um, honestly, on the 4th and six from midfield with like seven and a half to go, I thought that would have been a good one to go for it again. Um, I thought it would have been more consistent with his decision-making from earlier in the game. And I think whatever you're going to be on fourth down, be that all the time. If you're going to be the super aggressive team that makes the smarter mathematical decisions all the time, be the super aggressive team that makes the smart mathematical decisions all the time. You can't do anything by gut and feel and instinct. So fourth and six at midfield, well, if a fourth and 11 at midfield was a go, even with 15 seconds left in the half, or a fourth and one at your own 35 is a go, then a fourth and six at midfield should be a go as well. Um, and... You know, I, maybe you didn't want to do it because Austin Burton was in the game or whatever, but frankly, I think he's seen a lot of Austin Burton at this point. Austin Burton can complete throws, so I thought that would have been maybe a worthwhile one to go. Um, not even being results-oriented with Arizona draining a bunch of clock on the drive that ensued, but um, just from the math standpoint. Um, what else from that football game, that lovely football game? Um, UCLA's offensive line I thought was really poor for most of the game. Um, they seemed to play a little bit better in the comeback stretches, um, but they were giving up a lot of pressure to that Arizona defense. Um, and Arizona was bringing, bringing more pressure than they typically do, so it might have been, I don't know, maybe we'll hear some about unscouted looks, um, but it looked like they were getting getting through a lot. Um and you know that that's not a it's not a great Arizona front. Um, it's mostly a secondary based defense, so uh, that wasn't that wasn't great for the uh, for the offensive line. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it's it, it's the same thing we saw in the first three and a half games. Um, just kind of poor, lackluster offensive play, and then. Um, you know, it's not going to be in the final score. 20, 20 to 17 doesn't show really any of it, except maybe a lackluster offensive game, but um, slightly lackluster offense and really bad defense. Um, and I think that there was so much of this that got lost because the box score doesn't necessarily contain it. But the um, the final drive for Arizona, where uh, the guy caught the ball with his knee on the ground, um, 
led to two of the worst missed tackles I think I've seen this year. Um, and that's that's saying a lot. It might be two of the worst missed tackles I think I've seen at UCLA um, by, I think, Jay Sean and somebody else downfield. Uh, that was that was incredible to watch, actually. Um, and that, you know, would have been a, 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 a touchdown, and then, you know, that would have been all she wrote at that point. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously another very disappointing game. Uh, this was, as Tracy and I talked about uh, in the broadcast this week, um, if there was any outside chance at a bowl win, it, it more or less required winning this game um, and then winning basically the next three um, and then taking two of ASU, Colorado, and Cal. Uh, now it's just, it's too hard to imagine that because Oregon State and Stanford, yes, both of those are completely winnable, but you shouldn't expect UCLA to be anything better than a net pick them in those games. Um, you know, they might be three to seven point favorites over Oregon State and then three to seven point dogs against Stanford, something like that. Um, and both those teams are very bad, and UCLA is more than capable of beating both of them, but they're also more than capable of losing to both of them. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, they could certainly win both of those, and then you're at three and four, um, and then staring down ASU and Colorado before uh, Utah and USC, and then Cal. So, yeah, I'm. I, I think there's still again an outside chance at five and seven if everything broke completely right at this point. Arizona was not something I was counting as like a must win in the uh, potential five and seven, but once again, I'm 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 kind of sitting at three and nine. You know, um, I think that's probably the most likely outcome at this point. You win one of Oregon State, Stanford, and then take another weird one late in the season, um, but otherwise. There's just, uh, there's not a lot to love about this team. It's been a good 20 minutes that I think demonstrated a lot of the upside if they embraced um, a particular identity, um, you know, a slightly more up-tempo, slightly more spread-centric um, identity. And, uh, you know, I think we saw what could ensue if they did that, um, you know, and we saw the comfort level that Dorian Thompson-Robinson can have in that sort of attack. Um, but it doesn't, if you weren't going to embrace that in this game, then would, I mean, are you ever going to, um, you know, that the week after that, are you going to embrace the thing that worked in that game? Or are you going to try to go back to force the thing that wasn't really working? And it seemed to me, and again, we'll, we'll look at, you know, Osgood is going to do a really in-depth thing and he'll probably, you know, prove all my initial suppositions wrong because he's like that Chris. Um, but you know, I think, uh, there's, uh, you know, I think they, they're, they're going to try to run the offense that they intended to run to start the season. Um, Chip Kelly seems like he's the kind of guy who wants to, you know, work the process, as they say. And uh, we're just going to have to wait here and see where that leads. Um, but to, uh, to my eyes right now, it's not leading anywhere great. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see on uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson's injury. Um, we'll see on all of that. And, um, you know, obviously the, the Pac-12 is still, I mean, technically pretty much wide open. Um, you know, the North is sort of, sort of coalescing around uh, Oregon and Washington, I think. But the South is, um, you know, pretty much up for grabs at this point. Uh, I don't think UCLA is going to be in the mix, but stranger things have happened in a football season, right? 
No? No? No Stranger Things? Okay. Well, nonetheless, uh, the Pac-12 is very bad, um, and UCLA can certainly find a few wins in that league if they look hard enough. So, um, well, we'll be back next week with uh, talk for Oregon State. Um, that's coming up on the 5th, heading into October. Um, and then UCLA will be on a bye week before the Thursday night showdown at Stanford. Um, so, yep, we will see how the first six games go. Um, they might end up on on balance uh, about where the team last year was after six games, which was one and five. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It'll depend on that barn burner next weekend. So uh, tune in then. And um, I'm about done talking about what was actually a, a pretty damn boring football game after last weekend. So, all right, we will uh, talk again next weekend.